me your ears. This nation will rise up. Welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Victor Moscone, welcome to the Elemental Health Podcast. Uh, It's a real honor and a pleasure to have you on. Um, And I'm so excited to have this conversation. This is a topic that is uh, really ingrained in in kind of my psyche, I think, and and how I've evolved and something that I, I do think about a lot and I think a lot of guys struggle with. So thank you for jumping on. Thank you very much. I'm ha- really happy to be here, and I'm I'm happy to kind of talk to you about this topic and to bring awareness to others too. Because yeah, it definitely is something that's very important, and um, I think a lot of people don't recognize that they're experiencing it or what to do. Yeah, and I think something that's plagued a lot. So imposter syndrome is obviously your subject expertise, and that's really where we want to kind of have this conversation today. Um, and so let's start at the start. How did you get into this? What's your, why is this interesting to you? Um, it was interesting to me because just through the development of my own life, um, I had just gone through a period of of my own life where I just, I I didn't believe in myself. I didn't feel like I was really worthy. And, um, I constantly was basically judging myself and comparing myself to everybody else. Although I didn't recognize what this was all about. Um, through a period of my own life, hit to a point with my marriage at the time, um, where for me, I hit rock bottom and I really felt like there really wasn't anything else for me. But then I also hit a point where in my own life, I thought this can't be all that life is about got to be something more than just this feeling of basically not feeling like I'm worth anything and I'm just here. Um, so I ended up going to therapy and through that process, I started to understand more about my own circumstance. And then as I realized that just certain aspects of my own circumstance and, and understanding what was going on around me and that it wasn't essentially because of me, um, I went back to school, um, went and, um, got a master's degree in leadership development and coaching. As I'm going through that, I'm reading certain case studies about other leaders and some of their thoughts and what they're experiencing. And I'm reading certain case studies. I'm thinking, wait, I know that feeling. I know what that's about. I understand that. I'm like, hey, that's that relates to me. And so I start doing a little bit more digging on my own. And I start realizing that these all items and aspects connect into what's known as imposter syndrome. And I thought, okay, I need to read more into this. And I started just doing my own research at that point, seeing more about it. And I thought, oh my gosh, I I have been affected by this, experiencing this all of my life, didn't realize it. And it made me just want to understand it more, understand how to break out of it, the steps to take, understand how it affects people, why it affects people. And then understanding that it connected to leadership, I realized that, wow, okay, so if it's affecting me and it has for all these years, how many other people has it affected, has it impacted um, people that are experiencing it on a daily basis and don't want to bring it out? I thought there needs to be more talk about this, more information needs to come out so people really understand that it's not them. It's not because of them or a flaw within themselves. It's really based on past experiences that have helped to frame their mind and basically create this um, negative self-belief. Um, And it was to that point of going, I need to get this information out there to more people. Amazing. So that's what I'm trying to do today. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy to to kind of have that, have you on on my platform to do that. So intuitively, like I I kind of know that everyone I speak to goes through this psychological loop. Um, imposter phenomenon i think is a correct term isn't it as opposed to syndrome right. um but yeah so but what what are the numbers what are stats can you can you highlight kind of how big a problem this is yes um so in big broad general terms they've um stated that um about 70% of the population will experience this at some point in their life However, there's other indications that it's probably closer to 85 or so just based on what occurs. Now, some people will only experience this um, when a new change or a development occurs, and that's it. Um, And yet, 
others will experience this all their life. And it's a matter of learning how to compensate for that. Um, with that aspect too, though, number wise and, and figures, it's an understanding of, um, how do I put it? Early on, it was considered that more women were experiencing this based on their own um, past and experiences. However, what occurred is that they realized that men and women equally experience this, yet it's more about in certain intensities and then how they actually will go about trying to deal with it. Uh, but it's also like number wise, and just if you're looking at figures, um, easily about, what did I come across about? 80% of leaders won't often mention this. Because when they do, they're fearful that if they say anything about it, it's going to make them look like they're a weak leader. If they go to seek help, it's going to make them look like there's a problem with their own skills and abilities. So they often keep it within themselves. Um, you'll have um, entrepreneurs in that same level, sometimes a little higher, but at the same time, you'll have entrepreneurs that can easily be within like 60% of that range will often discount their own prices, product, um, what they're selling something for or their services, because again, they go through feeling like they're not good enough. So they're constantly dropping that, um, with other, um, going for, um, leadership positions as well, going for promotions. There's often, uh, about, if I'm correct, about 75% will, who experience higher ends of imposter phenomenon, phenomenon, by the way, um, will often either go very slow in their process of going for leadership positions or promotions, or they will get to a point and then just completely stop because they just fear that one, they don't have that ability or two, that they aren't good enough for it. So it really has a big impact. Yeah. So, so it's, it's everywhere really, as far as I see it. And I, I reflect on my own journey and, um, you know, I've, I've done lots of different things and have built up a wealth of experience in lots of different avenues that you, you would, well, one looking from the outside in would assume that would give me a high level of confidence. And I think on, on one scale, you probably would, that would be measured high, but I often find myself feeling like I, I, I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing or, and, and suffering from this, this, uh, imposter phenomenon. Um, and I think, um, it's, 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 it's just so prevalent that what my brain thinks to, and, and some of the, some of the kind of the way the brain works it, from my understanding is there must have been a good reason why we we've create this neural loop. Is there, is there, is there a positive, there's a survival basis for this mechanism? Um, there's definitely a reason for it. Um, some of the aspects come from in early childhood, um, if you're, and it depends on different circumstances for different people, but in some cases, if in your early childhood, most of your, um, parents would focus on your accomplishments and it was based on how well you actually did or getting that next achievement, that is kind of how you look at it. It's like, I have to get for that next achievement. And if, uh, and many times it would be, you did get that achievement. It's like, Hey, great. Okay. Now we have to look at this next achievement. So there's no chance to appreciate how you achieved it, how you accomplish it, but you're already looking for the next one. In other cases, it could be aspects of um, culture, of, of economics, where again, family, adults could end up looking at you in essence, um, just saying, okay, well, that's great for others, but you'll never get there. It's not something that you're good enough at doing, regardless of knowing what your skills are, it's just how they perceive it. And again, it could be a cultural aspect. It could be that, you know, well, you know, in the case for women, many will say, well, yes, that's great, but women won't do that. Women can't do that. Women aren't supposed to. So it puts that mental block basically, um, that you start putting yourself into that aspect. And at, when you were saying, you know, can it be, you know, an essence of a positive, you can look at it where it can help push you to drive. And it's like, okay, well, no, I know I can do this. I can accomplish this. I, I have to show and prove it to myself. Well, in actuality, most of the time it's that I need to prove it to other people. But what goes along with that is that once you've done so, you don't have that satisfaction because you feel like, well, I did it. And everybody's like, okay, that's great. Or, hey, congratulations. But internally, you don't feel good enough yet. You don't feel like, okay, I've done enough. I should do more. I need to do that next step. I have to go for that next accomplishment because then 
I will actually have been showing people that I've made it. What a lot of this connects okay. to is often this external, more of like this external need for approval and appreciation. Okay. Interesting. So, so much to unpick in what you just said. Um, <laughs> so, but, but, but the, so I, I wasn't necessarily trying to say there's a positive side to it, I guess more a defensive mechanism, which is why we do it. Um, and, and, and I'm, I, I guess I'm, I'm making a leap here. So I'm looking to you to kind of say no, if, if I'm off the path, but so I guess from what you said there, the cultural norms, the societal kind of being part of the tribe is such a strong um, part of our, our makeup and the way our brains have developed that if we suddenly want to step away from that cultural norm and away from the tribe, it feels like death. Correct. Right. Very true. Because we, it, it's like you said, it's, it's kind of that, that, societal tribe aspect, that's what you grow up with, especially if it starts when you're younger, that's what you grow up with. That's what you know, that's what feels like is supposed to be. Um, so you constantly are connected to it and to step away. You're absolutely right. It does. It feels like death because it feels like, well, if I do step away and then everybody, let's say hates me or doesn't agree with me, then what do I have left? then I have nothing. And so people in that protective source will say, well, okay, that's too scary. I will just stay within this and manipulate or mask myself or try to make it the best way. So they're still happy and I'm still getting that connection. And what you also said there was kind of just stacking the wins isn't necessarily a way out of the loop. Correct. It's not, it's, it's becomes, it becomes more of just a safe zone. Um, speaking of a loop, this is something that often happens in regards to imposter phenomenon, which I'm going to tap into in a second, just to kind of define the differences. Um, but if you're looking at, let's say a task, um, somebody who's experiencing this uh, phenomenon, it's like the, they have a task, but they've already got self-doubts as to whether they can actually do this particular task or they're good enough for it. So as they start going through the task, they're building up their anxiety and their stress. Well, they'll often take one of two routes. One will be that they will overwork on it and put all of their energy, time, everything that they can to almost be to this perfectionist ideal because they have to make it to the best for it to be approved and be accepted, or they'll shift to the procrastination side because again, they're so fearful that if they fail, it's going to just devastate them that they end up like stopping and they, and they pause on it for such a long time. Eventually they will accomplish the task and they'll probably get praise for it. But with that, the person that overworked on it will dismiss the praise because they'll say, yeah, but it wasn't because of my qualities. It's because I put all this time into it. I overworked. I did all this stuff. I, you know, maybe somebody did help in a way. So it shows that it's everything else, or I got lucky at the same time. I lucked out. Same thing on the procrastination side. They end up dismissing any qualities of their own because they'll say, well, you know, it just happened to work out that they liked it. They didn't see the flaws. They didn't notice how bad it really was. They were being nice. And then it just goes, so they've accomplished it. They've received that. They've dismissed the approval and it goes to the next task and they go back into that cycle. There's no stepping away. There's no recognition of what they truly can do. So it just keeps perpetuating every time. And then it just builds that onto it because they'll look at the past task going, well, I just barely got by the last time. So maybe I'll be able to do it again this time. Yeah. And I think Brene Brown talks about this uh, and, and her frame of reference is the, is the higher you go up the kind of leadership ladder and, and the, the, the more this is prevalent of people just having a, what appears like a very um, strong external facing skin to the world, masks to the world probably would be the words you use, but, um, mm -hmm. and, but, but it's, 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 all encompassing in terms of they don't feel that they should be doing that even at that level. Exactly. Be because again, it connects into that, the lack of self-belief 
And so they start comparing themselves or questioning themselves connected to everybody else. Like, well, what would so-and-so do? Or what are these other executives doing or these other leaders doing? Or, oh, look at how they're always composed. They always look, you know, they always know what they're doing. They, they speak well, they have all the answers and I'm here just trying to, you know, keep everything, you know, holding, holding everything together without really understanding what's going on on the other side. And as they do go farther up, they be, can often become more restrictive and even more controlling because it becomes more that fear. You feel that you've got more responsibilities with that leadership level. There's more pressure and, and eyes on you that you can't mess up. You can't, you know, fail in any respect. So you have to actually pull yourself in and you end up just making choices and decisions that create even more anxiety because you're not focused on your own qualities and abilities, but you're going double, you're like second guessing yourself every time going, maybe I should do this. No, maybe I should do that. Well, what are they going to do? What would they do? Maybe they should follow them because they're going to have the answers. And if I do that, then it'll be okay. But then even afterwards, it's not an essence of like, okay, okay, this is good. It's more of like, no, maybe that was the wrong choice. I should have done this instead. Well, what if this doesn't work? And it becomes just this turmoil of questions and thoughts and overthinking and stress and anxiety that it just becomes this bigger, bigger ball every single time. Yeah. And I, I think from my experience, so I, I talk to a lot of leaders within healthcare um, mm -hmm. and some of them wear kind of an operator's hat and a clinical hat from a like a doctor's family doctor I, I think you'd call it your side but um we'd call them gps and they're also running a business it's it's a strange mix um and sometimes you get it comes across to me as a, as a really big ego but i think having spoken to lots and lots of people like this and actually broken through that barrier that's what kind of a, that is what's going on there they just they've got so many responsibilities um of which they don't necessarily feel qualified to to do those things and and there's there's just that that shrinking violet inside but on the outside it just comes as a as a hard hard casing and, and a difficult uh person to deal with that's a really good way to look at it i like that yeah you're you're right it, it is because internally it is this the shrinking violet because they're more fearful and stressed about themselves and making, you know, the next steps. But on the outside, they know that they've got to put this mask up. They've got to show that they are a strong leader, that they know what they're doing. And it's difficult when you get into that position to end up having people question you because then you start playing it in your head and you're starting to become fe fearful that, well, if they're right and I'm wrong, what kind of a leader am I? So it's like, no, I've got to stick with what I'm doing. And again, it just, it, creates a leader that isn't really open to growth and ideas and development. It ends up creating a leader that's very restrictive as to their movements and their thoughts and um, their own vision too. Yeah. And I think if I look at the leadership qualities that I try and embody, humility is probably the umbrella that I put that under is having the humility to and the, the level of self-awareness to understand what's going on and, and really make a change. Um, incredibly difficult, mm -hmm. easy to say in a couple of sentences, but incredibly difficult to implement. Um, I've got like, I'm, I'm holding back to jump to kind of like, okay, how do we, how do we break this down and how do we kind of build back up to, to a solution through, how do we get through this? However, you mentioned kind of defining the different, terms of what's going on so i'll let you do that and i will just want to stay on kind of how what patterns kind of stack up for this to become a big problem so just go for the um, um definition perfect okay so for the most part everything that's out there is known as imposter syndrome um, when it was first identified, it was labeled as imposter phenomenon uh, because it was based on experiences. At some point in the 80s, there were several different researchers who started to use the term syndrome, even though they recognize that it's not a syndrome, but the word caught on. And I believe that's one of the reasons why there's such a stigma about it and why people don't want to talk about it. Because a syndrome indicates that it's a disorder or a disease. And since it deals with your mind or the way you're thinking, people often think that it's some sort of a mental disorder or mental disease that it's it's almost like who they are as opposed to based on experiences as the phenomenon which means you can actually refocus reframe and learn to grow you know overcome it um which is why 
when I try to talk with people about it, I try to use the word phenomenon so they can start to see a different um, aspect to it. With that too, it's that kind of connects into it where it's by doing so, it's like it sets up these aspects where you create anxiety for yourself. Um, you create these different mental focuses because of it, because it's, you know, based on the experiences and then um, the ideas of what you're going through. And in an understanding of, um, sorry, I was trying to think of like a certain word I'm going through, but it's like, for, for, for instance, Dr. Val Valerie Young actually took the ideas of imposter phenomenon and broke it into five different um, focuses. So you have a perfectionist is one type. That's the person that needs everything has to be perfect. And any flaw shows a weakness in themselves. The next one is um, considered to be the super superhuman person who will do everything because again, it has to show that they can handle it all because if there's any point, there's something that they can't handle, they're not good enough. The next one also, and these all kind of tie into each other in some aspects, but the next one would be a soloist, meaning that they won't ask for help. So even when they're struggling with this, uh, this, you know, experience in post phenomenon, they're not going to step out and ask for help because that's only a sign of weakness and that they're not good enough to handle this on their own. Um, following that up with is an expert and an expert is again, similar to a superhuman where they can do it all, but an expert knows everything. And oftentimes somebody who is an expert is an expert in this aspect. Um, they won't enter into a conversation unless they have information about it or they know about it, or they will take what little information they do know and try to extrapolate it into something bigger to again, make themselves look good amongst everybody else. The last one would be a natural genius. And this one here is that type that it has to just come very naturally to you. It's like, if it doesn't come naturally to you, then you're not good enough. You should already be able to do these things. If you have to work hard at it, then obviously you're not good enough. So you'll often have people who struggle with this, at least in this area of that type of a natural genius, that they will focus strictly on the qualities and things that they know how well to do. Anything else beyond that, that takes effort or growth, they just will like shut themselves off from it because they don't want to look like they're not good enough or that they're inferior basically. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I think I probably fall on the superhuman bracket of thinking that I need to do everything at all times. Um, so is there a, is there a, is it, well, let's step back a second. Does it, is it, is it worth unpicking why this happens and in the, on an individual basis, or is it just a case of thinking, right, this is something that's affecting me. I just need to find out, um, how to kind of unpick it at this point in time. I think that's going to kind of depend on the person and what their past experiences have been. Um, in some cases, I think it can be helpful to at least give an understanding of where these, you know, initial thoughts grow from. Um, but you also have to go to the point to, uh, to know that you can't change the past. You can't change what occurred in the past, regardless of whether it was family members who had stated, you know, always go for that achievement, go for that achievement, or stating that culturally wise, let's say you're not good enough. And because of who you are, um, that's already occurred. And in some cases it can be really good to know. It's like, okay, that's where it comes from. Good. I know where that stems from, but now, yes, it's really about understanding of like, okay, so if I'm thinking this way now, how do I take change of it? How do I make those changes for myself so I can break out of this and start moving in the path and the direction that I want to? Um, the best way to do it really then becomes that focus of now and moving forward. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. And, um, what, one of the things I'm thinking of from based on what you've said about the childhood component. So as a, as a parent with a young family, then what's, what are some of the kind of classic traps that we find ourselves in? Um, well, one of the traps, actually, I can give a couple of the traps that I, I actually was part of is, um, in regards to grades, for instance, I remember being a kid and I would bring home, like I would have, let's say out of five grades for my classes, I might have two A's, two B's and a C. So my dad would look at it and go, Oh, A is nice. Well, okay. But why are these B's not A's? I'm like, well, class is really tough. And you know, I struggled with some things, but I'm doing better. He goes, well, maybe you should work a little harder to get A's. I'm like, oh, okay. So 
let's say next report card, I'd have two A's and a minus a B and a C. And then immediately he would look at the A minus and I'm like, see, I'm proud. I got an A, right? This three A's. It's like, well, why is it an A minus? Why is it an A plus like the other two? It's like, okay, well, yeah, I, I pulled it up and he goes, well, could you, you know, maybe you can put a little bit more effort into it. And then there's also this B. It's like, okay, so let's say the third time I end up getting three A pluses and let's say it's another A minus. Again, it would look at going, oh, that's nice, but you still have this C in this one class. So the accomplishments are not really acknowledged. And so for me as a kid, over time, now you hit this once or twice, it doesn't really impact, but over periods of time, it, ha it just kind of layers on top of each other. And for me, it became this fact of like, okay, so what I accomplished wasn't good enough and I have to keep doing more. Um, coupled with that in, again, stuff that I realized later on, um, which wasn't done in malice, I realized, because it was kind of a motivation thing. But as a kid, you end up seeing it differently because you focus on what's not being said. What's not being said is that the achievements aren't being appreciated. And so I'm not good enough and I have to work harder. Another aspect when I was growing up was getting into a car and or going to a friend's house. And my parents would say, okay, we're going to their house where you're a guest. If they want to watch a certain program, you let them. If the kids want to play on certain toys, you let them. When you get home, you can do what you want to. Okay, fine. Makes sense. No problem. Then we would have guests come over and they'd say, okay, they're coming over. They're a guest. If they're here, they can watch whatever show that they want to. If there are certain toys you don't want them to play with, put away. But otherwise, they can play with whatever they want. When they're done, you can do what you want. In my head, that started to put the thought of everybody's better than me. So I have the grades that I'm never good enough. And the fact that everybody else gets, let's say, special treatment, for lack of another way of putting it, but I don't. So that means everybody's better than I am and I'm never good enough. And it carries over with you as a child because you start applying that to other things. You, you could be in a later schooling grade or at work or something and you don't do well or you fail at something. And it's like, well, of course I failed at something. Everybody else is better than I am. I'm always not going to be good enough. Um, and there could be things, this is the third one. Um, and I'm not trying to bash my family, but I'm using this as an example that I remember with my dad. And again, it was this idea to keep me grounded, to keep me humble. But when you couple it in, my dad would always say, just remember, there's always going to be somebody better than you. It's like, okay, so I'm never going to be good enough. No matter what I do, I will never be good enough. And then again, couple it. And again, I understand that it was a master as the aspect of not just sitting back and making sure that I'm constantly working to improve. But again, as a kid or even a teenager, you've got all these other things going on in your life that it will add up and focus to you to this point where you feel like, oh, okay, so everybody's better than I am. I'll never be good enough. And I'll never be able to amount to what I want to. And it has a huge impact that will carry over to jobs, relationships later in life and down the road. Because again, you will, I definitely connected and compared myself to anything and everybody else. And I could never see my own self-worth because I didn't have any. So that's how parents can do that. Again, not on purpose, but it's how they're looking at it. They looked at the achievements. They looked at other people um, as to a focus instead of um, the qualities that I was actually putting in at that time. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, it sounds like good intentions paved the way to a, to a, to a challenge and a barrier. And I think that that's really common. Um, my, and, and thank you for sharing that narrative. That's really, really powerful. I think, um, lots and lots of people relate to that exactly. So I think that's kind of, um, gelling with this societal norm, certainly kind of like my generation, our generation, you know, that achievement and status seeking and overlay the kind of the parent wanting you to succeed because that's the metric to success yep. um mm -hmm. yeah I, th I think that's interesting so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm reflecting on my story i did perhaps didn't have the pressure in terms of the grades at school or anything like that but uh for me i always felt very small in stature and sports was a big part of my life because i didn't have a, a strong father figure in my my life so being being kind of big and strong and machismo was was a was a gap that i needed to fill hence going off and joining the army playing rugby and whatever um but 
Um, but they're, I always felt smaller than my peers. Um, and mm -hmm. when I played sport, I felt like I didn't have the athletic ability. And, and I think, I, and I never, even if I look back now, like transitioning to the kind of the peak of my rugby career, playing relatively high level at, at university, at college rugby, you know, I still remember feeling like I, I, I didn't belong there. I wasn't good enough to make the, the first team even though I was there every week, it just didn't, it doesn't add up reflecting back. But, um, but yeah, and there's so mm -hmm. many, probably so many different examples, people that are listening, probably thinking through, I mean, we've given some quite, quite broad ones there with, with specificity overlaid. Um, and what I want to touch on as well is, is you, you triggered me thinking, obviously this is forefront of my mind, like trying to work out, navigate parenthood, um, and try to put in place some, some frameworks and strategies that will stop what naturally is probably very normal thing to, to try to do. Um, and it's the context, isn't it? That's so important. Um, yes. but it links in, it links into the, to, um, Carol Dweck's book, the growth mindset and really mm -hmm. focusing on the process, right? Encouraging the process, encouraging the work, rewarding the work, rewarding taking part in the process and taking yes. that emphasis off the outcome. And, um, you know, the parallels to health and fitness are, are, are everywhere in this conversation. I surprises me, always surprises me. I get guys coming through into my coaching practice with a lot of success in their life both physically and, and in, in the business space and financially, whatever it might be. Um, but their self-worth is, is, is kind of low in, in when I'm speaking to them kind of man to man, and we really dive into kind of their fitness goals and that pulls back the, 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 the cover of kind of lots of underpinning insecurities. And, and there's always this kind of stuff comes up that we're talking about. It's so interesting to me. It, it really is. And, and it, it, it it does always surprise me and just, just the fact that on how many people you can see and you can see how successful they are in a variety of different ways. And as a society, we look at that and we feel like that's the pinnacle. Like that's what you have to be like. And yet when you're, you're absolutely right, when you actually start talking to them, you start realizing how they have very low self-worth. They don't see themselves as somebody very worthy or have much value even though they keep trying to accomplish these things and do these things because they're hoping that one of those things is going to click and it's going to make it all the better and show that, hey, look, I have that worth now. Look at me. I'm actually there and I feel good. But again, it's that constant focus on that external reward and that external connection. Okay. So let's, let's, let's talk about your work and how you kind of break this down for someone coming in to speak to you and what steps you go through. And then I guess that will evolve naturally into kind of tactics. Uh, oftentimes it's like, as you're going through it, you also, or you have to kind of, kind of break it down and start out with some of the basics where you really, what you want to first hit is you have to stop the comparison. You can't look at what other people have or um, how good other people are, because again, that's, you're comparing what, you know, different people, different ideals, different aspects. And it's a matter of like, you have to look at really who you are. What is your life like? Where are you going? What are you doing? And it's difficult because it's so easy to just connect and compare, especially with social media. It's very easy to see what people have and what they don't have. But one thing you have to also understand is you're taking it from an understanding of like, well, what are your circumstances? Where is your life taking you? What have your experiences been to understand that these have helped to mold your life? And regardless of what else somebody else has accomplished, they've had maybe other experiences and other opportunities that you haven't. Doesn't make it better or worse. It's just different. And so that's that first that understanding of like, okay, they have their own life. They have their own journey. You have your life, your own journey. And it's like, okay, that's the first step of understanding. I'm not going to compare. The next one then is starting to look at what are your actual values, your own values? What do you find that's important to your life? Um, whether it's family, whether it's some aspect of success or freedom or, you know, being able to, um, to develop your own business, whatever aspects are, what do you value that's in your own life? And again, looking at yours, not what does society tell you to, to value 
what do your parents and family and friends say this should be it? Because many people will do that. They'll go, well, I'd really like to value, you know, having my own business, but everybody tells me it's too difficult and I shouldn't do anything like that. So I, I guess maybe I wouldn't. No, it's like, again, focus on what's important to you. And that's where you want to grow. That next step is then taking it and looking at yourself as an individual. What are your own qualities? What are you good at? What are your characteristics? What is your personality like? And looking again as to you. So you start to appreciate and seeing these things because many people that I've talked with that go through this, everybody is better than them. I have no qualities. I have no skills. I have no character. That's really anything special. And it's, they just don't see their own worth, their own special aspects that you have to get them to break it down. And sometimes people will start writing things out and all of a sudden it starts to flow and they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. Other times it can take several times, you know, several steps because people will write a couple of things. Well, I'm like, yes, I got this. I'm like, okay. And they need that encouragement as to take the next step as to, okay, well, you know, you said you were, okay, just using you as an example, we're not going to go far into it, but it's like, okay, you played rugby. So what did you do well playing rugby? And again, it's them trying to like focus on one because one of the difficulties too is we see the big picture. And so we're trying to like juggle and see all these different aspects, but we, it becomes a big muddled mess. So it's a matter of getting people to break things down into smaller steps. So it could be, okay, when you worked this job, what were some of your skills? When you worked your second job, what were your skills? What were your skills in school? Like what are your skills or abilities as, you know, a parent? Um, and again, it's kind of getting to see them. And sometimes they'll see things that overlap. They'll see things that are different in different situations. The same thing with their character, but it's helping to stem them to start seeing their own qualities and worth in that way. So that's kind of some of the things that we'll, we would normally start with and start building on. Yeah, I think it's when I look at leadership and I spend quite a bit of time thinking about leadership and chatting to leaders of all sorts of different kind of levels the the what i'm always thinking about is kind of and it's the same when, when i'm talking to the fitness guys obviously this is this is you know the, the the bulk of my workload but is is like are we adding something or are we removing something like the art of subtraction is so important and i see this falling into that kind of camp of you know let, let's remove these barriers to progress let's not try to add more time or add more effort add more sweat equity let's think about how we can make life a little bit easier and this falls into that camp which i think makes makes it so much more valuable um although the things you're talking about is that's hard work right oh oh it is definitely it is definitely hard work but you're absolutely right though it's you're not adding anything into it you're not saying okay well you need this skill and you need this type of character you're you're trying to get them to really recognize what they already have so you're absolutely right you're trying to take away these other barriers as to how they don't see themselves and to open it up so they can start seeing who they are and what their worth is um and it's it is definitely hard work and difficult to get people to do that at first but once they start it becomes a little easier because they start to recognize it um, it still takes time. That's the other thing with this. And I'll add in some more steps here in a moment, but many people will often just want a quick fix, which I'm sure you've seen as well in different ways. You know, it's like, well, what can I do so I can be, you know, stronger in like a week, two weeks, but even with imposter phenomenon, it takes time. And there's a lot of repetition and reflection because you'll get to a point where you're feeling really good. I'm like, oh, I've got some, I feel good about myself now. I, I know who I am. I like who I am. And yet there'll be a change at work. There'll be a change in your life. Some new opportunity will come up and all these thoughts can come flowing right back because now you're in that situation again. And so you'd have to be able to pause and go back to those steps again. And like, okay, wait, my values are this, my qualities are that I can take care of these things. I know I have a, you know, a character that will help me, you know, strive through these difficult times, but you have to kind of remind yourself because you're dealing with years of self-doubt and years of not seeing your own worth that it's not just going to click in and, you know, flip a switch and you're all good. So it definitely will take time to get there. But the biggest thing, as you said, is clearing it all out so they can see what's already there and not adding anything to it. Yeah. And I think, um, it's when it comes to leadership and, and people that are running organizations and businesses, 
there's such a temptation and and i would argue that this is a a, a skill set that you need to develop as a leader as long as well as being physically robust and mentally robust it falls into that category the the challenge is the the temptation rather is to jump in and and kind of fix you know let's start off fix the individual who's not doing their right thing and or fix the process um i'll fix another process and sometimes that is the solution and you need to be on the ground doing that sort of stuff but often mm. the, the 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 organizations i work with have some some leadership issues that underpin all these other little fractures that they're running around trying to put stickers over band-aids um over all these kind of like all these these cracks um when ultimately they need to take a step up and really kind of either if they're the only person in charge of the organization or the, or the linchpins is really develop their own self-awareness and, and their own leadership skills or the leaders around them um but it kind of starts with you and i think i think the the the, the important the importance of this aspect of leadership can't be overemphasized and I, I think i've probably said that already but it's it's this stuff that i see in organizations that are really succeeding is this level of humility, this level of awareness around, um, you know, who they are, confidence in their role and, and ability to, to have the humility to, to understand these challenges that we all face. I, I completely agree with that. Yes. And that's when you know that you're dealing with somebody and working with somebody and have a leader that recognizes their own flaws and their own flaws are not negatives. They look at them. And that's why as, you know, as a, as a good leader, you're going to be able to bring people in who are going to help to build up those aspects that you're not good at because you can't be great at everything. You have your specialties and your qualities and it's understanding what those are and understanding what you don't have, but then bringing in the people that are going to be able to help to elevate not just you, but your organization as a whole. And that's, that's what you want. Um, and that's definitely a big, big step. And that's where you would really want people to get to that point to realize that what I'm lacking isn't a negative. It's just who I am. It's like, you know, and you can still grow, you can still, you know, improve your own skills and, and talents. But also understand that that's why it's a talent. Some people are really good at some aspect and you as a leader could be really great at some other aspect. And that's good because that's what's needed. But it's, again, the humility of understanding that, you know what, it's okay. It's okay that I'm not, but I have other people that are, and that's what's going to help us. And at the same time to realize and acknowledge that, hey, if something doesn't work, okay, what do we need to fix it? As opposed to stressing out and pretending that it's not broken or that it's going to be a reflection of you um, directly. Yeah. And I want to come back to the, to these steps. And I know we've got a couple, the awareness and the values piece. I want to come back to it, but for fear of derailing this, like how does social media feed into this? Like what's going on with that? What's your view on that? Um, Social media, um, it's well, as I said before, it's so easy to look just even if you're looking at pictures on social media and seeing the big houses that somebody has, the fancy cars, the vacations that they're taking all the time and and people telling you that, well, I made my $10 million in two years and you can too. And it's like, OK, well, that's great. And people compare themselves to that and they go, oh, my God, I'm not good enough. It's like I haven't this person's like. 30 and I'm 40 and it's like, I'm not there yet. So I'm not good enough. I'm never going to make it. And that's where you have to say, okay, look, there are many people out there that have gotten opportunities. They know people, they've been in the right place at the right time. Maybe they have had access to money that you haven't. It doesn't mean that they're better. It doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It's just, just a different experience. And so you have to realize that. And again, it's like recognize going, well, okay, wait, wait, is that where I want to be? Yes. I want to take vacations, but do I want their life? I don't know their life. Well, if I had their life, would I have some of the friends and the family that I have now that I really love and care about? No, probably not because I'd be their life. And it's, again, they, you have to recognize that, that you'd be giving up some other things that are important to you to do what they're doing. But do you know everything about their life? We see a picture, a, a one snap of their day, and people will craft an entire life story around that one picture. And it's like, they're thinking, oh, 
they've made it, they're millionaires, they're traveling all over, they're always in the fancy spots. It's like, did, do, do you know what they're doing? Maybe they happen to walk into somebody who said, oh my gosh, I'm going on a trip, you'd be great at this, I could really use you, and yet they're there now, and two months later, they're out and somebody else is in because for whatever reason, they're not needed. So you're catching them for a quick moment and it's like you have to realize what is the life that you want? What journey do you want? And where do you want to go with yours, not where somebody else going on theirs? You could see things that they want. Okay, yeah, I do really want a big house. Okay, what do you need to do for your own life if that's what you really want to achieve that? But not compare it to I'm not good enough because they already have it. Who cares? That's their own life. Follow your journey and path yeah. and figure out the direction you want. That's what's most important for that one. It's not easy. I understand. Um, but it's a matter of social media will often kind of perpetuate it with even things just saying that this is what you need. This is who you have to be. And you have to realize, too, at that point that it's all about sales. They want you to purchase something. They want you to follow them. They want you to do things like them. So they gain more attention. They want more attention so they feel better about themselves, technically. And so you have to realize, OK, you're just feeding into that and it's only making you feel worse. So you need to literally cut that off and go, I'm following my path. That's where I'm staying focused on. Come, comes back to values. Yeah. And it's always, I'm always torn between thinking that maybe people should post more about the struggles and challenges in their life or whether they should be posting about really happy and positive things in their life. But yeah, I definitely think it adds to the problem that we're talking about here with the imposter phenomenon. Um, I'm not sure if I can say that word properly, but um, it adds to the problem because it's just so prevalent. Like we're on our phones all the time and we're constantly comparing, 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 aren't we? And so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, yep. it's yeah. That. Um, what I'd like to do. So let's, let's jump back into, I just, I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't let this go, this conversation go without really adding that social media piece in there. Because I think it's in everyone's mind, right? We're doing it all the time. We're constantly comparing. Uh, let's oh, yeah. jump back in. So we talked about having values um, and taking people, walking people through a process of kind of trying to unpick why they, why these things bob, bob, boil up at certain times and, and how to stop that. Right. So, um, talk about the values, looking at what the person's skills and character is, but, and then it's taking that and looking at literally, cause we had talked about accomplishments before, but saying, okay, well, what have you accomplished in your life? And most of the time that's as far as we go with it well, you know, I got this degree, I have this new job and we just look at it there and it's like, okay, so now I have to get, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for another promotion. But what we don't often look at is, well, what did it take for us to get to that point? So I will often have people go through then and say, let's say it's a degree, you know, okay, what did you have to do to get that degree? What courses did you sit in? What new knowledge did you learn? What effort did you put in to grow your learning and grow your, let's say, writing ability? Um, um, and then if it's for a job promotion, okay, you didn't just walk into it. What did you do from when you first started working to that promotion? How did you grow? What skills did you learn? What aspects did you actually, what steps did you take to actually improve in your skills, in your quality, in, in your character to be able to move you into that position? And again, most of the time, People don't see it because they're just jumping from one step to the next. But when they start looking at it, they're like, well, yeah, I, I had to, you know, I, I worked 50 hours a week for this, you know, for about two years because of what was going on. But I actually worked on a lot of different projects. And in those projects, I was sometimes writing up information. I was having to create um, the next steps. I was at times certain, you know, in leadership positions and being a good communicator and helping other people to be motivated. And again, saying it, it's like, OK, well, yeah, that makes sense. We often just kind of blindly pass that up because we feel like it's just there and it's not anything important, but it is because it's about who you are, what qualities you have and how you actually achieve these things. What we end up taking, what I do then is I go, okay, so if your next chat, let's say there's a new promotion coming up and they're worried about it. It's like, okay, but did you get the last promotion? Why did you get the last promotion? How have you done, what did you do to get that last promotion? And then how have you done since then? Again. It's helping to fill in the gaps. As we stated before, not adding anything new, taking away those barriers, their mental barriers, and getting them to see their own qualities, their worth, their growth, 
and knowing that, oh, okay. So you came across a challenge. You were really struggling with it. You were fear fearful you were going to fail. What did you do to overcome that? And they're like, oh, well, I, I talked to these two other people who had done the job before, asked them some questions. Um, I assembled my team and said, okay, this is our situation and pulled in information for them. Like, okay, so if you run into a similar problem, what would you do? And they're like, oh, I could do the same thing. I could talk to these people. I could ask them for feedback. I could put in ideas together. And I said, okay, but, and then they'd come up, but, but what if I'm wrong? What if I make a mistake and I, I mess it up? I'm like, okay, so let's go through that. You kind of come through scenarios and it's like, if you made a mistake and let's say you did realize that those were the wrong steps, can you make a course correction? Well, yeah, because we could do this step. I could talk to this person. We can implement these new procedures. Okay. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. I guess I could do it. I could make the decisions. But again, it's helping them work through it because a lot of times with that anxiety that happens, um, you end up putting up these mental blocks where you can't see your own skills, those next steps, you're too fearful of like making that mistake. That's all you see. So it's getting people to understand how they actually um, processed and went through their achievements and got to them. And then believe it or not, it's also taking that next step to get them to understand and appreciate their self-worth is, okay, after you got your degree, what did you do? Well, I started working and then I started realizing that I needed this other credential. So I started going for it. Did you appreciate your degree? Did you celebrate something for yourself? Um, no, I, I didn't have time. I had to start the next thing. Like that's the other problem because we often just jump from one to the next that we dismiss that. We don't even have it take a time for ourselves to go, oh, I got it. I achieved it. I'm going to appreciate this for, I'm going to take myself out to dinner and have a nice meal. I'm going to go out with some friends for the weekend. And then yes, Monday, I've got to start the next thing. But you know what? For these three days, I'm just going to be appreciative of what I've accomplished and know that I was the one that did this. I put the effort in and the hard work, and then I can go on. Because what you'll end up doing later is as you go on, you'll be able to look back on, yeah, that was really good. When I took those three days off because I achieved that goal, it was really a good thing. And I, I loved that I was the one that did so. Instead of what we often do is, yeah, yeah, I got the degree. I got the degree, but I, it's like, whatever, because I'm working on this stuff now. And we, we dismiss the qualities of that degree or that quality of that promotion or whatever we're doing because we're on to the next thing. We're on to that next achievement. So it's getting people to really learn to appreciate. When they start appreciating the things that they are doing and that they have accomplished for themselves, they start appreciating themselves because they start realizing, oh, I'm the one that did that. Oh, I have that ability to do that. Oh, I was the one that was able to kind of figure out how we were able to overcome that challenge. And it's like they start to see their own qualities. They start appreciating themselves and they're not looking at other people for that uh, approval. They start realizing that, oh, I can do this for me. I'm the one who can actually start accomplishing it. And they start to see and value their own abilities. So if they are going to go for a promotion, they can actually start going into it, realizing I have these skills. I know if a challenge comes up, I know how to take care of it. I am good at communicating. I know I have the resources to help with any challenges and it helps to lower the, that anxiety. Is it still going to be there? Sure. It's a nervous thing anyways, when you're going for something new and a new development, but you're walking in with more self-worth and value and appreciation of who you are and what you can do to that next stage. Yeah, I'm, I'm reticent to, to, to stop you and, and kind of dive in with more points and questions because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying listening to to kind of how you break it down. And I think, yeah, I think it, it almost feels like when I'm reflecting on this, what you're saying in my head, it feels like there's, it's like almost like a, 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 a twisted trick of, of nature, really. We, we are the most adaptable creatures on the planet, yet we have these mechanisms in our brain that are these cultural norms that stop us from believing that we are adaptable and able to develop in, entirely a complete different way starting from any second that you want to make that change and it's never been easier never been easier to do these things um with the, the you know advent of technology and modernity um but yeah so it's, it just feels like such a such a such a such a kind of trap that we get caught in um and i, I understand the steps and we're kind of saying break it down pen to paper you know look at that cv and actually buy into those items on that piece of paper that you've done and, and understand why 
why that process was meaningful to you, which I think is is really a, a, a good foundational building block to 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 what you're saying. And I wanted to highlight that piece mm-hmm. really is kind of like in-depth understanding of why that achievement was good for you. It was the transition and the new identity that was built and the process that you went through. And and I think that's that's a powerful reframe for 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 the context of of what we're talking about. You also speak yes. there very eloquently about the the with without stating it, is that is kind of the power of coaching and the power of of having someone to reflect with and someone that will hold you accountable. Because I think it's so hard to to get that sounding board that isn't just um, either protective in terms of your circle or yourself, which is way mm-hmm. too negative in, in most contexts, uh, to have that kind of balanced viewpoint and, and having someone that's just like, no, 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 we're going to keep going on this conversation until we get to the bottom of, of what's going on here and why it's such a big problem. And then we're going to start to understand how we can take steps and, and the, the bits that you outline to to build a new a new version a new a new 2.0 uh, identity that can break through these 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 loops and cycles that that hold us back and, and create the barriers in life um and so you know i i know we're kind of coming up against time but yeah any comments around kind of the power of of the work you do obviously it's 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 a loaded question but uh in terms of having that that coaching frame um no it's it's really important too because you're right i can say these things and the steps to take and it seems in some aspects very simple to do because you know just oh yeah okay i'll know my values my character my you know achievements but at the same time again without that sounding board and having that coach to ask the follow-up questions and ask that next step, it's really simple to then dismiss things and go, oh, well, yeah, okay, but that's not that important. You know, if I'm writing out my my qualities and my character, it's easy for me to go, okay, well, what are the big qualities that are really important? And I can dismiss what I feel are small qualities that really have no impact, but have had an impact because I just don't see them that way. It's like, well, that's just who I've always been. It's like, you know, that's normal. So a coach is a great sounding board and an up person that can actually help bring these things forward and to help make sure that you don't dismiss them. You don't just feel like they aren't worthwhile because they're part of you. Um, And again, like you said, too, is that we've often have all these other voices in our mind from family, friends, culture, society that will often downplay them. Um, Take, for example, just in the leadership business model, there are hard skills and soft skills. And People often have over the years downplayed soft skills, feeling like they're, they're, they're soft skills. So they're not that important. They're great. Yes, they're helpful, but they're not really you know, as important as the, the hard direct skills that you really can show that you can do things. However, anymore, we're seeing that oh, these soft skills make all the difference when you're building leadership, when you're building a company, when you're trying to move forward and grow. These soft skills are so impactful and important that you don't want to dismiss them because of the terminology that have been attached to them, people naturally will. So when you're going through your own skills, you will often do that as well. Well, people have always laughed at me for this or have always thought it was cute. So this isn't really important. And a coach is great because they can help you walk through that process and give you the guidance and ask the questions and realize that, you know, and ask you a few questions on the first week, get you to start thinking, pulling stuff down. That next week is where you take it and you expand on it. You're not going to get through everything and it's going to help to add on to additional questions, which will get you to think more and process and over really kind of oversee everything that you are and done and com- completed and, and connected to, to start bringing yourself out. And it's, it's really impactful when you actually see people go, oh, oh, I get that. Oh, I see that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh, that makes so much more sense now. Oh, okay. So I could do this and this because they're still questioning it for themselves. They're not sure. And so having that coach, that sounding board, it's like, oh, so if I did this and this, this could actually take me to that next step. It's like, yes. Is that next step something you want? And they realize that, oh, wow. And it it opens their mind up. And as we've been saying before, throughout, it's taking the barriers away and it's getting them to actually 
appreciate who they are, building up their own self-belief without the influence of other people that will try to push that all down and put up the barriers for them. So they're getting a chance to truly be the person that they want to be and, and be that authentic self finally. Yeah. And I, yeah, the, the, the soft skill component is, is so prevalent in my mind as well in terms of, yeah, this notion of just having the, I was working with a CFO quite recently of a, of a startup. She's previously been in much bigger organizations and this, she's seeing this as a, a kind of like a latter part of her career and working with her for a good few months. And it's, it's just amazing how how much the focus was on the day-to-day combat the skills of 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 the cfo role and not about the the leadership components the so-called soft skills and that term kind of we need to throw out i think and and replace it with something that's much more kind of like we can buy into um given the Mm -hmm. given the baggage that it's got and you know that conversation was around like you know and the way i view this is if you're not able to recruit people to your cause, then your your ability to lead is 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 never going to be where you want it to be. If you're if you want to be a true leader, you're going to be a manager. You're going to be good at executing and doing skills um, that are required in the day to day. But to take the organization to the next level, whether that's internally or or your own thing, then you need to be able to recruit people to your cause, amongst other things. And if you don't have the all the bits that we're talking about here in terms of have done having done that deep work and also that awareness and the the skills to communicate effectively and, and really recruit people into to your way of thinking and your mission then it, it, yeah it, it, it's it's not going to work true true it's it's very it's very integrated and complex to because you have to be able to you know pull all these different aspects together and it's not that it can't be done. You just kind of have to learn how to balance it all out and and when to use which parts. And even, you know, getting over aspects of imposter phenomenon. Um, again, it's knowing how to see these different aspects and when these new challenges come up, knowing which parts that you need to kind of reflect back on and what steps to then move forward with to help you overcome these new feelings and new thoughts of imposter phenomenon once again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just keep going on this topic. It's, 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 you know, as we talk, more things come to my mind around the the leadership components that I've been working on for the last few years with with all sorts of different people. Um, Victor, I, I just let people know kind of where you're focusing your efforts and your work at the moment, and and how they can get in touch with you and engage in in the amazing work. Okay. Uh, well, for the most part, my main focus right now is working on up and coming uh, women leaders and entrepreneurs. Um, helping them to overcome a lot of their imposter phenomenon thoughts and um, that mindset that's holding them back so they can build themselves up in their own true self-belief and take the steps that they want to. Um, and being able to find me, you can actually find me at uh, victormoss.com. That would be my website. There is a quiz on my website that you could also take that helps you to kind of gauge and see where your own imposter syndrome, because that's how I'll label there, but imposter phenomenon um, um, is at, what level it's at. And I give some actual follow-up um, ideas and steps to help out too. That's really helpful. It's a good way to engage, I think, with with the audience and and kind of add more value really which is i guess what we're trying to do here with this conversation um victor it's been amazing exactly. to have this conversation and it's it, you know it, 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 the more i think about it the more it makes me aware of, of how limiting this these these thoughts and, and these phenomenons have, have held me back in life and you know i think uh it can only benefit by kind of airing this stuff and bringing it out into the world and, and having these these conversations um I, I i respect and appreciate the work you're doing around women leaders i think it's really really important um and i also appreciate that us guys need to kind of uh take take a take a, a step back and, and think about some of the humility required to to be strong leaders and i use that word specifically because you require um that humility and to to be a strong leader Definitely agree. Um, yeah. And just, just to put it out there, it's like I, my focus with um, the women up and coming leaders and entrepreneurs is not, you know, a slight to men. It's like, that's a huge segment of its own. And will I, am I, 
willing and wanting to work with men? Definitely. But it was an aspect of where I was going to start to start my focus and grow from there. But it, I agree. It's, it's an aspect of being able to, you need to be able to step back and truly acknowledge where you are and what you're struggling with and understand that um, the struggles of, of your self-doubt does not make you weak. Um, taking those steps to understand it and breaking out of it to really connect with yourself will only help to improve your own inner strength and build you up as that person and leader that you want to be. Strong words to finish with, Victor. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. And I'd like definitely to invite you back for a round two at some point. Thank you very much. I've totally appreciated it. I would love to come back for a round two. Yes. <laughs>